0: just to make sure anybody get in here tonight did not get the notes the outline out there raise your hand we want to make sure everybody gets one so anybody need one of these so that you can follow along tonight did we get everybody have one good all right Nazarel, why don't you introduce this this newlywed couple that you have with you tonight would you Amen. And you guys got married when? And they, and they did not have a chance because of COVID to have a honeymoon. So they're here in South Florida, not for the Macaulay's. They're here for their honeymoon. And so let's congratulate them on their... And so I'm glad they're finally able to do that. And then right behind them, sir, what's your name? I didn't get a chance to meet you. Adam. Beautiful little girls. I saw that. I have four daughters, and so I was paying attention to you back there with those wonderful little girls. Welcome tonight, and uh, good to have you folks with us tonight as well as everyone else here. And uh, who's ready for the book of Psalms tonight? All right. And so uh, the the children, this is kind of a game to them. It's called fill in the blanks. (laughs) The big kids, too. And so uh, now I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, and uh, Adrian's going to do his best, try to keep up with me tonight. So if he falters here or there, I'm still, I still like him, all right? But he, he's, he's uh, taking on a big chore over there, Lenny. And so uh, take your Bibles, go to Psalm 146. Now, there's 150 Psalms. Just stay where you're at. You're good. You know, I, I'm a, this is just bonus, all right? And so Psalm 146. Now, when you look here, Psalm 146. I'll give you a minute for everybody to get there in your Bible. 146, and for those of you that are joining us, maybe for the first time, this is called Route 66, and the reason we call it that is because God put this on my heart. I've always hesitated to do this because a lot of times you, you sit through something like this and you're like, wow, that wasn't that interesting, but I, I know this, that God has put how many books in our Bible? 66. Now, we call them books. Many of them were letters and so on. Uh, some are longer, some are shorter, and so on. This is actually 150 chapters, 150 psalms, and uh, so that's where you, you come up with the name Route 66. How many of you have ever physically driven on Route 66? Any of you? Just a few of you, and uh, right here in the United States of America, I've been on Route 66. I think I've traveled almost all of it, but uh, 66 books. So What this is, is it's an overview of the books. Now we kind of or I kind of started this backwards. Last year I covered the New Testament books, and this year I was just kind of waiting on the Lord and God gave me a green light and some folks said, "Pastor, we're going to do the Old Testament." And so that's what we're attempting to do. Tonight we're going to look at the book of Psalms and and we're going to finish it just because brother Kenny didn't think I could. All right? And so we're 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 going to we're going to show him tonight, all right? So uh, you do the best you can to keep up. Now when you look at this, Adrian, go to the next slide there. Just look on the screen here. I, I, my wife is a visual person. She's like, I, I can't see it, all right? So, so I have a visualization. So these are the, the 39 books of the Old Testament. And uh, if you're visiting with us tonight, we've already covered those five orange books. The, those are oftentimes the books of the law, talk, talking about the Pentateuch, five books, Penta, And we covered those, and then we did the blue section, which was the historical section of our Bible. So the Bible has much history. When you study those books that are blue, they deal with the history. Now remember that many times when you look at the Bible, the Bible is not necessarily given from cover to cover in chronological order. So here we are tonight. We're in the purple section. Okay, I guess that's purple, lilac, whatever you want to call it and uh, I'm a little bit colorblind, but, but we did Job last week. These are the poetical books, and so tonight we're in the book of Psalms. Next week we'll be in the book of Proverbs, and then we have two more. I love the book of Ecclesiastes, and many people struggle with really what the Song of Solomon is really all about. We'll have a great time with that too. So here we are in the book of Psalms, and then once we get beyond that, We get into the books of the prophets, the major prophets and minor prophets. Do I have another chart? I think I do. There you go. And I don't know if you have the ability, Adrian, to pull that in in the middle. If not, that's fine. But the middle section there is what I was just talking about, the poetical books. And so that gives you a visualization there of the poetical books. Now, there he got it. Somebody showed him how. All right, yeah, brother Cordy did. All right, so so that's where we are now. Look in your Bible in Psalm one forty six. All right, and I want you to notice what's the first four words. Say them. The Lord. All right, now everybody's there. Let's say them together. Okay, here you go. Say them. The Lord. Okay, look at Psalm one forty seven. What's the first four words? The Lord. How about Psalm one forty eight? How about Psalm one forty nine? How about Psalm 150? The and then look at verse 6 of Psalm 50, the very last verse. Let everything that hath what? Breath. What are we supposed to do? And what's the last statement? The Lord. So listen, the book of Psalms. Are you breathing tonight? Some of you are. Okay, everything that has breath. Praise ye the Lord. You know what you're supposed to do as a Christian? Praise the Lord. It's not about you. It's not about me. Sometimes people say, oh, pastor, that was a great message. You know what I say? Praise the Lord. Oh, that was a great song. Praise the Lord. Listen, whatever it is, everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. I love the book of Psalms for so many reasons. Now, I'm not going to do justice to it, but I'm going to cover it from the direction God gave me, and I will tell you that you might have approached this book differently. There are many ways to look at this book. So all I'm doing is giving you my view from the scriptures as the Lord led me. You can take it, and you can expound on it, and you might say, well, listen, I love this. I saw this. It's all good. If it's Bible, all right, so let's take a look here tonight, and I want you to notice with each one of these books, of course, the book of Psalms, I like to give a little title to what the book is, so we'll call this the book of devotion and what? Praise, and you see how the book ends, of course, all throughout you see this matter of praise, the name of the book, which would be Psalms, okay, like last week we looked at Job, and we talked about the name of the book, Job, and so on, tonight, the, the, the word psalms. Notice the Hebrew title, Hebrew title of this book means songs of praise, songs of praise. Now, the Greek title for this is Psalmoi. It's just like psalm, but it's the word Psalmoi, and it has come to mean the sacred songs sung to musical accompaniment. So, I don't know about you, but when Brother Kenny and and Anthony were playing those musical instruments, I was thinking of the words that went to those. And if I would have been by myself, I'd have been singing them out loud. But I didn't want to scare anybody away, so I just was keeping it all inside. But the Bible says, again, that everything that hath breath should praise the Lord. I love the fact that how the Bible says in the book of Psalms, one of my favorite songs, that he picked me up out of the miry clay, he set me upon a rock, He established my goings, he put a new song, not the world's music, put a new song in my mouth. I thank God for his work in my life, and I hope you do too. And the book of Psalms, so many wonderful things here, and so let's dive into it. Notice the contents of the book, Psalms is a book of poetry, and again, we've mentioned this, 150 chapters, and the Psalms are traditionally divided into five books, now get this, five books, and many believe that they possibly reflect the five books of the Torah or the Pentateuch. Those five books right there Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now some of you may, may have never thought of it that way. We're going we're to bring this a little bit more to light as we get into this, but in other words, if you took the 150 uh, chapters of Psalms, Many believe you can divide it five ways, and each one of those five correspond to the first five books of the Bible. It's an interesting approach, and I believe you'll see it. Notice each of the five books concludes with what is called a doxology. Now, a doxology is a hymn of praise of the Almighty, a particular form of of giving glory to God. That's what a, the doxology is. If you ever look in our hymn book, where's Brother Kenny? Miss Becky, do you know what number that is in the hymn book? Is it number one? No? It's not in that hymn book? Throw those hymn books away. Really? It's not in that hymn book? What's the matter with you? <laughs> It's a good thing they're not here, whoever bought those, all right? But listen, don't you think that we should give glory to God? And I love, you know, the doxology. As a matter of fact, when I was teaching in the college for many years, the word doxa is the word glory. And so I would teach my students, you know, vocabulary words. And so when, when we would go to chapel, which chapel for college students is church. And so we had chapel every day of the week. And so you could always tell where my Greek students were in chapel, because when they heard the preacher say something, they wouldn't say amen, they would say doxa, and everybody would be like, what in the world, you know, if they've never been to Greek class, but that's the word glory. Of course, they like to show off that they knew some Greek, but nonetheless, we had a great time with it. But it's giving glory to God. Now, the Psalms, get a hold of this, is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. Most time you know what? You don't even realize. When you're reading your New Testament and you read a verse, listen, this one you know you've been in your Bible. When you're reading something in the New Testament, you're like, hey, I've seen that before. Where, where have I seen that? Now, some of you have a Bible that's a study Bible that might have a small little letter of the alphabet next to it or a reference, and then it'll show you maybe where that, that verse came from in the Old Testament. By the way, I, I love that, how the, the Old Testament New Testament just fit together like a hand in glove. And this is the most quoted uh, Old Testament book in the New Testament. Look at this. Of, of 360 Old Testament quotations in the New Testament, 112 of them, almost a third of them, are from the book of Psalms. So there's quite a few that you find in the book of Psalms. Now, all of you have, if you look in your notes there, I think it's your last page, you have the chart there of the book of Psalms. Throw that up there, and uh, we're really going to test him now. But remember how I said that it can be divided into five books, okay? So if you notice across the top there, you have book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, and then it shows you the emphasis. Now notice the, the first section deals with humanity, and then deliverance, and then the sanctuary, the reign of God, and the word of God. And notice you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It shows you the context. You have what is personal, dealing with humanity. You have the devotional, dealing with the deliverance of God. You have the liturgical and the historical, dealing with the sanctuary. You have the general section, dealing with God's reign. And then notice the last one, which is dealing with the word of God, is prophetical. And you see this as you're going through this. Now, Notice I said each one of them, each one of the books or sections ends in a doxology. So right there on that chart, notice that one line that says doxology, that shows you where you can find the doxology that ends each one of those sections. And then right after that, it begins the new section. If you go back to the top, notice the first section is Psalm 1 to 41, Then you have Psalm 42 to 72, and Psalm 73 to 89, and 90 to 106, and 107 to 150. It's kind of neat when you know that. Many times we don't realize how it's divided, but this is the way many people see this. It shows you the theme throughout is to worship God for who He is and what He's done. And you can even see there at the bottom how Christ is portrayed or seen. And we'll see that in a little bit in the book of Psalms. But I think it's a neat approach when you look to how the whole book is put together, and notice, we'll talk about this in just a minute, but the beginning of the book of Psalms is about the time, the days of Moses. And if you look to the far right of the chart, it ends in the days of Ezra. So there was quite a lengthy period here that all of these Psalms were put together. And so let's move on to our next thing on your notes there is, The character of the book of Psalms, it's the poetical section, and poetry is something that God has chosen to use, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, many of the Psalms, uh, we sing them today, sometimes you'll hear a song, and you're like, wow, that's a beautiful song. You don't even realize uh, that you're singing something right out of the Word of God, and it's one of the songs or the Psalms that the Hebrew people used to sing. Notice the subject. It's the experiences of God's people. How many of you have ever been reading a psalm, and while you're reading it, you're thinking to yourself, man, that is totally about me or what I'm going through. Anybody ever been like that? (laughs) My wife and I, there's been some times in our life and in our ministry and in our marriage where, you know, we've gone through things or we've experienced things, and We've lived at times in the book of Psalms, find such encouragement and and such practicality in the book of Psalms. Now, remember, here's here's the thought, don't ever forget this, that every word is inspired of God. So, it's all God's words. We need to keep that in mind when we're reading the Word of God. Now, notice again, the purpose of the book is to reveal to us and and this is important, the experience of Christ as the blessed man, one that was born under the law, and notice our spiritual experience in him. See, we, we who are in him, the life that we now live, we talked a little bit about that this morning, dealing with the Spirit of God. Now, the outline is a little bit more extensive than I normally give, but I want you to follow this, and it goes right back to that chart that you have, how this book is really divided into five books, okay? So that's the sections. So I want you to notice here, and I'm gonna show you, again, going back to that chart, the emphasis in each section. So notice division one. This is the Genesis section. Correlates to the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, and it says here that the emphasis, notice that it's concerning man, and the emphasis is on how God is beside us. Is beside us. Now, look what it deals with. If you look from chapter 1, Psalm 1, all the way to Psalm 41, four major things we see. It begins with, Blessed is the man. That's how the book of Psalms begins. Man's blessedness. Are we not blessed? God's been good, hasn't he? And then notice it deals with how man has fallen. Remember reading the book of Genesis? And man was in the garden. God had given him everything. He says, and you can have whatever you want except what's on the tree in the midst of the garden. And what did man do? He disobeyed God. Man fell. You could see how it lines up with the book of Genesis. And then notice letter C. Man's enmity culminating in the Antichrist. Now again, you see a little bit more come to light in the book of Psalms. And then it, it ends here in this last section, which is the largest one, with man's recovery. Well, how does man recover? Through Christ. See, it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. So, the first division deals with the book of Genesis. It's concerning man and how God is beside us. All right, I want you to think about the relationship that God has with us. Look at the second division. This would be the Exodus section, and this concerns Israel as a nation. And again, we find. Uh, even in the book uh, of uh, Exodus, we see the, the Israel coming into view as a nation, and so in this section, chapters are Psalm forty-two to seventy-two. The emphasis is on how God goes before us. Remember how uh, they they left Egypt, and uh, remember how God led them. How did He lead them? In a cloud and by a by a pillar of fire, right? So the Lord led them to what what body of water? The The Red Sea. And did he let them die there? No, he delivered them, right? And so oftentimes we think, God, why have you done this to me? Why have you led me here? Notice the emphasis is on how God goes before us. So in these Psalms, that's what you see. And so three things we see here. First of all, we see Israel's ruin. Then we see, after that, Israel's Redeemer. Aren't you glad that because of sin, God doesn't say, I'm done with you? So we see Israel's Redeemer, and then we see Israel's redemption because of the Redeemer. Now listen, I challenge you, this simple outline, even in this section, I want you to go back and read these Psalms and keep that right beside you, and you'll see it. You'll see the ruin because of sin, you'll see the Redeemer come into view, and you'll see the redemption that God has given through the Redeemer, and we see that in the Exodus section. Look at the division three, and we're just going through these first five books of the Old Testament. This is the Leviticus section, and this concerns the sanctuary. Very important here because the emphasis here in 73 to 89 is on how God is all around us. Do you remember I put it up there a long time ago when we were going through the book of Leviticus? Do you remember what happened in that in that time period in the history of, of Israel, how God established the tabernacle and do you remember how you had how many tribes twelve tribes? do you remember me showing you that slide that picture of how those tribes were to set up, how they would set up the tabernacle, and on each side there were so many tribes, and they would say, "God is all around us." And it's a beautiful picture here. And and when you look at this matter of the sanctuary, uh, the sanctuary is referred to in nearly every one of these psalms from seventy three to eighty nine, and it is viewed from its ruin to its establishment in its fullness and its blessing. And so it's a great section in the book of Psalms. Two things: one is the sanctuary in relation to man. And the second one is the sanctuary in relation to Jehovah God. And I love that section, 84 to 89. Now, the fourth division is the numbers section. And this is concerning Israel, watch this, and other nations. You get into some of the books of the prophets, especially like uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and you see all these other nations that God includes and mentions by name, so this this section deals, the emphasis is on how God is above us. God is above us. See, he's not only beside us, before us, around us, but he's above us, and in division four, the book of Numbers, we find here five things. It begins with the prologue, which deals with the rest that God had intended, and how it was lost, and how much it was needed, and then you see the, 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 uh, the, the progression of this rest for the earth that was desired, and then for the earth it was anticipated, and then you also see how for the earth it was celebrated in chapters 100 to 105, and then the epilogue, the conclusion of this section, deals with the rest and how lost and valued it is. Listen, God wants us to have a rest, and that rest is in Him. And so there's some beautiful psalms in that section. And that takes us to the last division, which would be considered the last book, uh, the last book of the Pentateuch, the last book of the Psalms, which would be the Deuteronomy section. And this section is concerning God and His Word. And the emphasis here is how God is among us. Now think about this. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I love this, how you see in this section, the emphasis is on how God is among us, the experiences of God being among us, the exposition, and then the expectation. And of course, the book of Psalms, that fifth book comes to a conclusion, and it's amazing how much is packed into 150 Psalms or chapters that we oftentimes call it in the book of Psalms. Now, the scope of the book, in other words, what kind of time frame, earlier on that chart, I already gave this to you, but notice the entire collection is thought to have been compiled over a period of about a thousand years. So again, God superintending his writing, his word, for about a thousand years, this was in writing, and finally it was all put together, and God, again, allowing that to come together, the writer, notice here, and really we should use the plurality that although David is credited with 73 of these poems or Psalms, notice other contributors include Moses, Solomon, Asaph, and the sons of Korah. So there are a numerous writers that are credited with being the human penmen, but of course the Holy Spirit of God being the author of the, of the book of Psalms. Now, to whom was it written? Psalms, this is the easiest way to remember. It is the worship hymnal of the Hebrew people. Many times, this was their book. This was their song book. Uh, this is what they played, what they sang, and oftentimes, as they sang it, boy, you ever want to remember something? One of the greatest mnemonic tools is to put scripture to song. It just sticks, it asphyxiates on your memory better. And a lot of times, I, have you ever done this? You know I got saved when I was twenty, and uh you know again i it wasn't uh well, I'll just put it this way: when I got saved at the age of twenty there there had been music that I listened to before I got saved that I wish I would have never listened to. Now, some of you, hopefully God spared you from that, but sometimes I'm out with my wife or maybe out with some of my family or even friends or whatever. And I'm in the store, and you know a lot of times you're in the store, and they have drop ceiling or whatever, and they have speakers in the ceiling, and you're walking around the store, and they're playing music. And you'll hear a song. They're playing a song. You'll hear it, and immediately, I haven't heard the song in 30 years, and every word to that song comes to my mouth. I'm like, that's amazing. How can I remember... I can't even remember where I parked my car. How in the world can I remember? So let me just encourage you. Put God's Word to song. This is a song book. So listen, now, you may choose to do it in the shower (laughs) where nobody's around, but listen, there's nothing better than to sing the Word of God. You'll remember it far better. You should try that sometime. It really does work. Now notice, where was it, uh, when was it written? And again, just like the chart from Moses, about 410 BC to the days after Israel's return from captivity, which would have been about 430, the days of, of Ezra. And of course, going back to the city of Jerusalem, reestablishing the altar and, and rebuilding the walls in the day of Nehemiah and so on. Where was it written? Well, some of these psalms were composed during the wilderness wanderings. Remember, this was over a period of a thousand years. Some were written in Jerusalem in the kingly reigns of David and his son Solomon, and some of them were recorded after Israel's Babylonian captivity during their return to the land of Judah. And so again, many places, because so many and over such a great number of years, it was all written. Now, the key chapter is Psalm 119. It's a lengthy psalm, the longest one in the book of Psalms, and can't find a better title than the Word of God. So many references to the Word of God, and chapter 119 or Psalm 119 is a tremendous chapter. Two verses that I would say are probably key verses, or at least in my opinion, uh, Psalm 29, verse 2, give unto the Lord the glory due to his name The Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Remember that he is a holy God. Oftentimes, we don't approach God the way we should. And the Bible says that we should worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Psalm 95, 1 would be the other one. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Say, pastor, I just can't sing. Well, the Bible says, make a joyful noise. You know, Whatever it is, sing unto the Lord. The key word is the word praise. I think you probably already figured that out by now. It's used over 150 times in the book of Psalms, and it is a word and concept that we should be familiar with. The key phrase is praise the Lord. Psalm 7, verse 17, "...I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High." You know, all that hath breath, let them praise the Lord." The key thought to the book of Psalms is the life of God. It's what God wants us to experience. And so from a spiritual thought, notice at last week we covered in the book of Job how that man is taught to know himself. In the book of Psalms, man is taught to know the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the Lord much better than I want to know what man has to think. Uh, I want to know the Lord better than even I know myself. And so there's a great thought there. Uh, spiritually speaking, for the book of Psalms. Now, th- there are many things that are unique about the book of Psalms. Notice the statement here, the various Psalms can be categorized by literary types. Uh, there are many things, you, you heard Brother Dave McCracken talking about metaphor last week. Uh, there's a lot of uh, poetry and prose and other things that you find in the Bible. Really, listen, The Bible really is the greatest literary masterpiece ever written. It really is. You know what's always amazed me is is people, listen, people who say, and they've said it to me, I just can't understand the Bible. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, all the these and thous and those. It's too archaic. Do you know the Bible was written during the same period as Shakespeare? and people today hold shakespeare up here and the bible down here i could care less what happened to macbeth <laughs> romeo and juliet <laughs> god's word yes people say well, i just don't understand it but you can understand all that garbage pastor that's not garbage that's literary that's masterpiece Okay, you think what you want about it, but I love the Word of God because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. See, no writing of Shakespeare will do for you what God's Word will. And so when we look at it, we see many things here, many literary types, and it, it, look, indicating all the different literary types, the different subject matters that they address, or the various styles in which they are written. I love it when you study the Bible. You see so many wonderful things. Now, we're talking about the book of Psalms tonight, okay? Maybe you've seen this. but Listen, if you spend any amount of time in this book, there's no doubt that you've noticed, wow, that psalm is really different than any of the other psalms I've read. And you look at other ones and you're like, whoa, that, that, uh, that is just so different. Let me give you some of the different literary types, all right? Maybe this will help you as you're going through the book of Psalms. Notice the first section, literary type, is called wisdom psalms. Wisdom psalms. Now, I think we're all familiar with the word wisdom, okay? The Bible says get wisdom and get understanding. Wisdom comes from where? It comes from the Lord, right? So look at this. What are the wisdom psalms? They're instructive, instructive psalms to provide practical guidelines for godly living. They give direction for righteous living in the pursuit of God's will. So how many of you think instructive psalms, wisdom psalms are good for us, right? I want to know how to live a godly life. I want to know how to live a righteous life according to God's will. Okay, so look at this. I've actually given you You'll find these instructive psalms, wisdom psalms, in Psalm 1, Psalm 37, Psalm 119. Notice Psalm 119. It's a wisdom psalm. Now look at the second literary type. It's called royal psalms. And we're familiar with the word royal. It describes, in this instance, in the book of Psalms, the coming messianic reign and rule of Christ. As the sovereign king over heaven and earth. How I many of you think those are important? You know, we need to understand what the Bible teaches that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So when we look in the Psalms, we find look at this Psalm 2, Psalm 18, 20 and 21, 45, 47, 68, and on and on and on. You find many more of those that are messianic. Now, listen, has Jesus come back to rule and reign? Not yet, but he will. The scriptures promise. I hope it's very soon. I hope it's before we have to send more troops to Afghanistan. I hope it's before we have to endure any more earthquakes, any more hurricanes. Listen, I'm praying and I, it'd be fine with me if the Lord come back tomorrow. It's going to be a wonderful time. Royal Psalms. Look at the third literary type in the book of Psalms. How about this one? Lament Psalms. You ever see this when you're reading and you, you're reading the psalmist and it's almost like you can hear them weeping, pouring their heart out to God. Lament songs. It's It's a heart's cry to God for divine deliverance from trouble and pain. Look at that list. Just look at that list. How many psalms are lament psalms? Sometimes when we go through things, here's what we think. I'm all alone. Nobody understands what I'm going through. We feel like we're pouring our heart out to God, and we're all by ourselves Hey, next time that happens, keep this list with you and start reading the lament psalms. And you'll see the psalmist pouring their heart out to God for deliverance and for help in troubled times. Notice the fourth kind. How about this one? The imprecatory psalms. These were some that, that boy, the first time I saw some of these years ago. These are psalms that as the psalmist write. now remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So here it is. These psalms were motivated by zeal. Now listen, the right kind of zeal, zeal for God's glory. These psalms invoke God's wrath and God's judgment of the adversaries who were God's enemies. You say, really? Absolutely. You find them right there. Psalm 7, Psalm 35, 40, 55, and so on. They're, these are imprecatory. They're asking God to be glorified, to invoke, that God would judge them, that God's wrath would be upon them. And you find these imprecatory. It's yet another literary type in the book of Psalms. Look at the next group, Thanksgiving Psalms. Hey, these aren't just read during November. These are are songs that express an awareness of deep gratitude of God's abundant blessings. Could be individual blessings could be national blessings. Remember, this was the songbook of the Hebrews, the nation of Israel. And so many times they would go to these psalms. Listen, I'll tell you this. We know it's true. God is good all the time. But there are times. The Bible says that we should give thanks always. In everything, give thanks. So these are some great places. And again, you see all of those, not as many as some of the other psalms, literary types, but there are quite a few this expressing deep gratitude for God's blessings in our lives. Notice the sixth one, the Pilgrimage Psalms. Now, again, this was the songbook of the Hebrews. They went into captivity. Uh, they moved around. God, God established the tabernacle, and they moved. When God moved, they moved. This world is not our home. We're just passing through, right? And you know, sometimes the other day we were talking to somebody and. And, and we were rehearsing how many times we've moved. I'm convinced. I know my wife doesn't like to move. To tell you the truth, I don't really like to move either. I'm not planning on going anywhere. The only reason I leave here is just for the same reason I've left other places, is because God moved me. I don't think you, you should ever move until God moves you. you should, and anytime you go, you should follow God. Don't move because of a job or whatever. You say, Pastor, I have to provide for my family. God knows that. Just listen, understand that when you look at these pilgrimage Psalms, notice they are festive songs of celebration and praise for God as Israel recalled the Lord's goodness to them as they traveled to Jerusalem for their annual feast. Boy, I wish I had the time tonight. Some of you, it would do you good to. To, to go and study those Jewish feasts, which, by the way, the Jews still observe to this day, and what each one of them was really all about, how God delivered them. One of them, for sure, is when uh, the death angel was passing through, and, and they applied the blood to the doorpost, and the Spirit of God passed over them. Listen, it's a wonderful study. And every one of those feast days, was a cause for celebration to the Jewish people because of what God had done for them. Well, listen, you might be like me tonight, and you're not a Jew. But understand, we can see even in our own lives how God has been there every step of the way. And we ought to do the same thing. We ought to celebrate and praise God for his goodness as we travel through this life. Listen, I'm not heading to Jerusalem. I'll tell you where I'm heading, home, Right? And someday we'll be with the Lord. It's going to be a wonderful time. And those are great psalms. And then the last group are called enthronement psalms. This group here, although it's not large, it describes the majesty of God's sovereign rule over all his creation. And notice his providential care by which he sustains, he controls, he directs all that he has made. Think about that. There was nothing here. And then God. God has always been, he always will be, but he created this world out of nothing. And guess what? He's the one that controls it. By him, all things consist. If God took his hand off, oh, we'd be in trouble. But God is the one that directs all things that he has made, and guess what? That includes you and me. You see, God has put breath in our lives, And he has formed us. And so that's a wonderful section. Now, again, those seven right there, that's yet another way besides the five books that you can kind of divide the book of Psalms. It's another way you can approach the book of Psalms. And now you have a list of some of those and what they are, the literary types and the subjects that they cover. Now, notice some ways that we see Christ magnified. I always like to point this out because I believe That there's a scarlet thread that runs through the entire Bible. And in each book of the Word of God, we may not necessarily see the name of God as we've seen that in the past, but we can see Christ magnified in each one of these books. And here are some ways we see in the book of Psalms. We see him, first of all, as our priest. The Bible tells us how he offered himself as a spotless sacrifice, but ever living through the resurrection to make intercession for us. And as the priest, notice, we have pardoned from sin and like we said this morning, acceptance by God. Hey, listen, he's not our priest. I really should have put he's our high priest. And what a wonderful thought there. Now listen, there's another office. Not only is he priest, but he's prophet. In the Bible, you see many people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel that were prophets. But when we see Jesus in the book of Psalms, as prophet, he proclaims the name of Jehovah as father, and he, as our prophet, reveals the will of God to us. And we see that in some of the Psalms. Now listen, there were prophets, there were priests, but no one held all three offices of prophet, priest, and king, but yet Jesus did. And notice, as our king, he is triumphant over what? Over death, Fulfilling the Davidic covenant, he restores man's dominion over creation. Hey, listen, that's what God gave to Adam when he was in the garden. He put uh, man over everything. He was able to name all the animals and so on. And notice God restores that as king. And as king, we have deliverance from our enemy, which is Satan. Listen, we are no match for the devil, but our king certainly is. It's a wonderful view of Jesus. Now notice a couple other ways. Psalm 12 and verse 2, he is seen there as the son, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little, little blessed are all they that put their trust in him. He is also seen as the blessed or the blessed. And we see this in Psalm 72, 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the son and men shall be blessed in him all nations shall call him blessed. He's the blessed. Notice in Psalm 80, he's the son of man. The Bible says, let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. He's the son of man. Notice Psalm 110, he is seen as the Lord. Hey, how about this? The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou upon my right hand until I make thine Enemies thy footstool. Anybody want to know where that's at in the New Testament? Anybody know where it's at in the New Testament? It's in Hebrews chapter 1, right? Remember, this is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. Alright? And an interesting as a matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter number 12. Some of you are staring at me like, Pastor, are you sure about that? All right. Hebrews chapter number 1. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, but unto the, what's that next word? Say it, unto the what? Capital S, small s. Capital S. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Look at the verse. But unto the Son he saith. Who's the he? God. So look, here it is. Do you get it? God the Father is talking to God the Son, and look what he says to him. He says, Thy throne. Whose throne? Jesus'. Thy throne, O God. God the Father just called God the Son what? God. Everybody see that? And so here it is, just like we saw in the book of Psalms. He says, Thy throne, O God, is for how long? forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. <laughs> hey, listen, folks, it don't get much better than that, all right? And so I, I hope that you realize he is the Lord, and the Bible tells us in the book of Revelations, he's the Lord of Lord and the King of kings, right? And then notice also, and I love this one, Psalm 118, he's the headstone of the corner. A lot of times we may not understand this type of terminology. We don't build the way that they used to in Bible days, but what they would do is they would set the corner stone. And from that corner, the building was built. It came off of the corner. He is the headstone of the corner. The Bible says, the stone which the builders refused. Hey, listen, he came into his own, and his own received him not, the Bible says. And the Bible tells us here in Psalm 118.22, the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the, The nation of Israel, the Jewish people, they missed it. They're still looking for the Messiah. But I'm going to tell you something. He's already come, and he's already given his life, And he went to the cross, and he died for the sins of the world, and he rose from the dead, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we must put our faith and trust in him. You see, he is the headstone of the corner. Now, look, I realize I went through the book of Psalms very quickly, kind of an overview tonight, and that's the way it's intended to be. But let me just leave this with you, a couple thoughts. Inexhaustible are the words to describe God's Son. You really can't. Remember, the Bible says that that he is God's unspeakable gift. You really can't put into words the Son of God. Notice the Lord Jesus Christ. Artists have sought to portray him on canvas. You ever thought about that? What are they drawing? Nobody's ever seen him. Nobody took a Polaroid. Say, then why are they drawing what they're drawing? Because through their spiritual eyes, Now, I don't really believe Jesus was some hippie. I believe he was a man's man. But many have tried to portray him, and they have penned lovely words about him. Theologians of renown have exalted him, and they should, above all others. In the book of Psalms, he is seen as our all in all. That's how he's seen. Our all in all. He is our meat. He's our drink. He's our life, our strength. He's our shepherd. He's our trust, our friend, our savior, from sin, our hope from beginning to end. He's our portion, our Lord. He is our all. Listen, there is no other. The Bible says there's none other salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus. And then look at this, Psalm 35, verse 10. The Bible in the psalmist writes, All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee? What would your answer to that be? No one. No one is like unto thee. There's no other God like our God. And the Psalms, they're a praise book. And who should we praise? Our God. Listen, study the book. Study the Psalms and praise God for all he is. And for all he's done. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. I know that such a tremendous book, I really didn't do much justice to it. But Lord, I'm so thankful for what this book, this book means to me. What it's meant to my wife, so many that I know. The solace, the comfort, the peace that I've received from reading these psalms. And Lord, I pray that not not necessarily just to bust up the book into five sections, but God, help us to study it, dig deeper, to realize where you, you, God, with your word placed the emphasis. And Lord, where you place the emphasis is where we should place the emphasis. God, may we truly understand your word And the only way we're going to do that is by your Spirit. And we're thankful that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Thank you again for this book and for the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.